Hello and a big warm welcome to you and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name's Marion Rose, PhD, and I'm back again on this Food, Feelings and Trust series. This time I'm on my own and I just love this exploration. I'm really enjoying it. I've been exploring a lot and talking a lot and having conversations in relation to the book of mine that I'm editing, my next book, which is called I'm Here and I'm Listening. So I've been really enjoying that. and Just really reflecting back on my own journey in parenting and also in working with mentees over the years. I just love this topic. I think it's so profoundly powerful to really support ourselves to understand how wise children's bodies are and also how living in this culture can make it hard to support them at times to be deeply connected with that. So after the last episode I thought I would love to come back and talk more about what can get in the way of children's innate body wisdom with food and I thought that might be helpful because I think part of it is just really, as you know, I talk a lot about the disconnected domination culture and really helping us be really compassionate with ourselves about what our bodies are really designed or meant to live and how different so often the culture that we live in nowadays, most of us, is from that. And I think having deep compassion for ourselves And really seeing that gap can be so important. So as always, if you know my work, I'm going to be inviting you to drop what I call the guilt and shame and any other self-judgment stick in relation to anything I'm sharing today. I really want to remind you, it can be and it is at times really difficult to support our children to stay connected in these ways with themselves when we live in a culture that is really doing a lot to try and entice us and them away from that deep self-connection. So I really want to acknowledge you and appreciate you and celebrate you for all that you're doing to support your child or children stay more deeply connected with themselves. And I think it's one of the things that I notice most of all with my own children who are now 17 and 21 and with friends of mine who have children of a similar age or the young adults now who have practiced aware parenting and really seeing that that deep self-connection is really palpable and of course this is one element of the self-connection in relation to food but I do think it's one of the yeah the, the key kind of outcomes that we can really see even including all the times that we don't parent in ways that we want to. There's many, many times that I have done things that I would prefer not to have done. There's many things that I didn't do that I would have loved to have done. But to know that in our own unique ways, given that most of us are first generation aware parents, that we can still, within all the challenges help them stay deeply connected with themselves and what a difference that makes to their lives compared to most of us who've often needed to do quite a lot of inner work to reconnect with ourselves in these ways and I will be coming back again to talk more about our own self-relationship in terms of food for us as adults in a future episode so I really look forward to that. So basically if we're aiming for them to make the most optimal food choices for their bodies based on 
their own bodily sensations, as well as information from us, how they felt afterwards, then knowing what can get in the way of those optimal choices can be really helpful. Uh, Again, whilst being really compassionate with ourselves, that we really are living in a culture that is doing a lot to try to prevent us from being deeply connected with our bodies. So what can get in the way and what can make it harder and how might we tend to those things? How might we be aware of them? How might we mitigate those effects? So first of all, I'd love to talk more about the wider external cultural and familial effects. And one of the biggest things, of course, for many of us is not being connected with where our food comes from. So for children, that might mean many children may not see vegetables in a garden. They may only see things in a supermarket or a shop. So this kind of less intimacy with food can mean less meaning, like less understanding of like, oh, you know, where does this food come from? And what part of the, if we're talking about vegetables, what part of the vegetable is this from? Is this a root? Is this a seed? You know, to really have this sense of first-hand experience. So there are plenty of things that we can do to support our children to feel more connected with their food. That can be things like learning about where food comes from. It can be reading books and watching shows. It can be visiting farmer's markets. If you have one locally, that can be such an enjoyable experience. I know I got into doing that for some while and it was so lovely to see, to have chats each time with the actual people who grew the vegetables and to hear them share, oh, you know, it was really wet this week and what happened to the coriander and... Yeah, we've got lots of carrots because, you know, X, Y and Z. So actually having those conversations with the farmers who grow the food and our children being there with us, that can be part of helping them really understand there are people here who are growing this food for us. There are people who are packaging things, you know, to have those kinds of connections and relationships and conversations can be really helpful. That might also be just having some plants in plant pots if maybe you don't have a garden or you have a small area or you're just needing ease because gosh most of us are really busy aren't we and adding a whole extra thing can be be tough but little things like some herbs in some plant pots can can also again just really make a difference so they're getting to see the plants growing each day and how fast they grow and how they change and getting to actually contribute by pouring on water that they can do even from a young age and just that again that first-hand experience can really make a big difference if you've got the room you might already have a vegetable garden but again just just having that connection that relationship can really make a difference to children of course it's doing all kinds of other things as well on a biome level of actually getting to be touching the food and smelling and all the wonderful things that happen with our bodies when we are relating to plant beings similarly this is something Claire Louise was talking about in the last episode which I really recommend listening to if you haven't already about using cutlery and how because Again, most of us in this culture will use cutlery a lot of the time. So again, we're we're getting less sensory input about food than we would do if we were 
uh, eating it with their hands. And you might not want them to eat with their hands, but there might be times where you would be willing for that. And, you know, if you have a baby or uh, a toddler, I know there are many people who are into aware parenting who really love the baby-led weaning approach because of that being part of that, supporting children's needs for connection with their bodies and food, plenty of agency and autonomy, which of course is so central to aware parenting, getting to really have that deeper relationship, that deep embodied relationship with food. So what about if we perhaps didn't know about aware parenting earlier on and perhaps you might have punished or shamed your child or perhaps they've been with other people who have punish or shame their child or maybe you know you just sometimes this can happen you know we get really into health many people who are into wear parenting are really into wanting lots of health for their families and maybe um, just having subtle or not so subtle shaming about sweet food and just really not wanting your child to eat sweet food is that you and again I loved that conversation last time with Claire Louise sharing about that sweet being that innate preference for children and sweet in the wild being safe and how important again that information can be that then we can be compassionate with them rather than we might still have an internal voice it's like oh no they just <laughs> they just want the sweets or lollies or candies wherever you are in the world or that sweet you know they really want to eat loads of fruit or whatever it is and again there can be all kinds of other issues going on there as, as well that we know in terms of again biome and bacteria and all the things but if we are judging them or shaming them, whether that's because of their innate preference for sweet or whether that's because they have some control patterns around food and otherwise they're eating to suppress feelings or just that they love a particular thing that's really sweet and they want to eat a lot of it. Having that overlay, if, if we're judging or shaming, even if we're aiming not to, that can also affect their capacity to listen to their bodies you know the more overlays they have particularly that kind of judgment it can actually mean that they're less able to feel into what their bodies are telling them so again just so much compassion for us as parents I mean how hard is that just wanting them to be super healthy and also wanting them to be connected with themselves and of course it's so normal and natural that at times you might let some judgmental words out about what they're wanting or you know speak in particular tones and I really want to remind you here the power of attachment play and there's a particular game that I find is really useful for, for pretty much anything where we have been kind of tight or constricted around something or we've had reactions to them doing something and again this can be for, for anything it can be for you know if you have a big reaction to your child sucking their thumb or going on a screen or whatever it is but also including anything related to food is the you're not going to x y and z game so the kind of classic form that I really like is some, somehow it's because in my touch and play course we did a kind of game on the couch, the no puppies on the couch game. So I always think about it on the couch or the sofa, again, wherever you live in the world. So it'd be kind of game where we might say, I'm just going to do whatever. I'm just going to be making some food. 
And whatever you do while I do that, you are not going to eat something sweet beforehand, are you? Whatever you do, you're not going to do that. You might want to say something else. I'm just going to do a bit of work here. And while I'm doing that, you're not going to eat some of those bananas, are you? Or you're not going to go to the fridge and eat some of that, whatever it is. And if they're old enough to kind of get the gist of the game where we're actually saying yeah go and do that and perhaps they're doing that already perhaps they're already eating something sweet perhaps we're already feeling a bit reactive and we'd like to get a bit judgy then we might go oh I caught myself doing that great I'm going to turn that into attachment play and what I love about this is we can also kind of express some of our original feelings so if we really would like to say I really don't want you to have that we can kind of express that in the whatever you do you're not going to have that are you with that smile on our face it can help us release some of those feelings it can help us feel relieved and so the, the child might then go oh you know they're starting to nibble on whatever it is or continue eating the banana or whatever it is the the chocolate, the biscuit, the cookie, the cake, whatever, the, the sweeties, lollies, candies, whatever they are. And then we might turn around and go, no, you said you weren't going to eat any and look, you're eating it. Oh my gosh. But okay. But I'm just going to turn around again and do some more work. And you are, but, you, but you're not going to do any more. You're not going to eat any more. You, you wouldn't eat any more of that, would you? You're really not going to. No, you're just going to put it down and probably go to the fridge and eat some broccoli. That's probably what you can do. Great. Okay. And, and you know, they kind of join in with the game. They go, no, 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 no. And then turning around, whistling, you know, just doing a bit of my work and hmm, wonder what the kids are doing. Turn around and, of course, they're eating it again. No, you said you weren't going to do that. Oh, my gosh. But look, you're eating it again. And again, with a huge smile on her face, big exaggeration. And again, if they are laughing, so if you're familiar with attachment and play, attachment play is a core part of aware parenting. If they're laughing, if we're also laughing, that's great. But if they're laughing, they are releasing some feelings around times where we perhaps have subtly or not so subtly shamed them for wanting the sweet thing rather than the savoury thing so that can be a really helpful game and as I say that game adjusted can almost fit with anything that we have been a bit tight or constricted around so that's a really helpful game so what else I think also really holding in mind whenever we feel scared around what our children are eating or not eating we're perhaps thinking about their future health or their present health this is why it's so important to have a listening partner or an empathy buddy or work with an aware parenting instructor or just sharing with friends partners getting to express your feelings it's so so vital that we get to express our feelings and our concerns because the more that we can do that to another adult the less that is going to show up with our child. And that's going to really make a difference to that kind of energetic field around food in particular. Because if we're feeling stressed, when we're off making food, offering food, they're going to feel that. That's going to affect that whole, the feeling tone of the meal or you know whenever it is that we're offering food. So 
so important for us to get to share our feelings. And again, I know I do talk about this a lot, but it really is so central in aware parenting to really get to have our feelings heard, to share about our concerns. If you're familiar with the Marian method work, you might do some willingness work around their health and food. And then that can be really helpful to connect back in with the, whatever you're willing for. So that might be, you know, I'm really willing for them to have a deeply healthy relationship with food and to be connected in with their body wisdom and to really listen to that. And when we come in with that place of either having shared our feelings with another adult and or the willingness work that then coming in to then connect with them rather than connecting them from that place of fear. If we're scared in relation to what they're eating, it's the same with screens, you know, if we're scared and we're coming into that conversation with them, I would love to say I've done the experiment many times and I'd love to let you know if you haven't also done the experiment for yourself, I find it never really goes very well because when we are concerned about their future, that's often where we tend to be much more likely to go into using power over, trying to coerce them, trying to even subtly or not so subtly shame them or guilt them or just, you know, mildly threaten them to get to have things that we think are going to be healthy for them and again it just it never goes well I've really experimented with that myself and that's why whenever we can come back to getting to share our feelings getting to do our own inner work so we can go in with this place of spaciousness we can go in with this place of playfulness attachment play this place of really willing to connect with them, willing for them to have this beautiful, healthy relationship with their bodies and food. Everything goes much more wonderfully. And again, I have done the experiment with that side as well, and I would love to share with you that that really makes a difference. I imagine you've experimented with this too. So again, if food has been given as a reward or particular types of food have been given as a reward, that's another overlay that can get in the way of their connection with their bodies and that food. So again, just so much compassion for ourselves when we're tempted to offer food as a reward. And again, you know, if we're aiming not to use punishments and rewards, it can be so hard, can't it, at times to go, oh yes, I really need to get to the source of their behaviour. Sometimes we just might feel powerless and we just might be oh my gosh you know if you get in the car then we can go and get an ice cream or whatever it might be of course it's so tempting to do that of course we can so often feel powerless so I would just say again so much compassion for ourselves holding in mind it's so common in our culture so understandable that we're tempted to do it most of us probably would have experienced that as uh, children so just lots and lots of compassion and of course, where possible, aiming to avoid using food or particular types of food as a reward, including, you know, the names that we give them. And if you know my work, you know, I'm super passionate about language and words and the power of words and what words do to our embodied experience. And again, so you might want to notice, uh, are the ways that you're describing particular foods, how you want to be describing them? I've met so many parents and aware parenting instructors over the years who've had all different ways of explaining different types of food and I think again it's so important to find ways that are really are a fit for you so 
in general, I do find, though, using words like treats can often work a little bit against what we might be wanting to achieve. So, again, my invitation would be to have a think. Is there anything that you'd like to change some language around? And then, of course, if we're talking about what's outside the home, advertising can have powerful effects by making particular foods look more palatable or interesting or connecting food with other needs. I mean, that's so often what happens in advertising, isn't it? Such as fun or inclusion or connection. So children might want to have the food because it's natural for them to be influenced by other people. And of course, particularly the younger they are, they're not going to have so much awareness or any awareness about this. It's an advert. People are being paid to say these things. So what can we do there in terms of supporting them to stay connected with their bodies? Well, again, we might need to have some listening ourselves in relation to this. And we can also give children information, and particularly as they get older, to explain about this and to have conversations and to notice, oh, you know, what happens when you see that advert for... I'm always talking about ice cream on here. I don't know why. <laughs> if there's an advert for ice cream as you're going into the shop, you might say, oh, look, I noticed that, that advert. How do you feel when you see that? Or if you see a billboard somewhere and I don't know, whatever it's advertising. Oh, gosh, look at that. What, what do you think they're trying to advertise? So really helping children to understand the process again can be really helpful and being compassionate with ourselves as well what about other people maybe that might be other relatives giving them things that we don't want them to have so I wonder if this has happened for you and again particularly when children are younger and we might be really choosing what we're having in the home and within that giving them choice as we talked about before in previous episodes but perhaps they're out at the shop and someone wants to give them a, a lollipop or perhaps at the dentist, you know, that kind of thing can often happen. And what I love hearing from a mother called Paige in the free Facebook group, and she gave me permission to share this with you. So she said, if the clerk offers him a lolly, I have a lolly with nutritious ingredients in my purse and we'll trade He really enjoys the interaction of receiving random candy at stores. It got out of hand over Halloween, but it's manageable again. Phew. Early on, I made the error of using the phrase bad ingredients, but have mended my ways and say things like, we don't eat numbers or letters, or that's not nutritious. So when he says it to other children or adults, it comes across more as factual rather than as judgmental. So what I loved about that is like really, again, having these ways like, oh, what can we do if they're being given sweets, lollies, candy by other people and we're not happy with that? Have we got something already set up that they're used to, that used to that process? I think I might have shared before I used to do that at Halloween that we would just have a thing that things that had artificial flavors and colors that, that I would swap them something similar And they were quite happy to do that, something that didn't have the artificial flavours and colourings. So again, it's coming back to beautiful aware parenting and finding ways for everyone to get their needs met and just being willing to keep going for that, to keep going for that. So again, kind of similarly, we can think about brightly wrapped sweets and brightly 
coloured sweets themselves and how that can tap into children's innate wisdom to choose the ripest fruit, for example. And so what can we do here? So I was thinking about this and remembering that I had glass containers in the fridge when each of my children used to have a, a shelf themselves and I would prepare food into little bite-sized pieces and I put them in these beautiful glass containers that had little plastic lids and they're all really brightly colored the lids and then of course with the glass you can actually see all the different colored fruits and vegetables generally and all, all different other things as well so that that was an enjoyable way of also having bright colors and again giving older children information can be helpful and again when children are younger we might choose not to bring brightly packaged things into your home and really remembering that power you have when they are younger to really make choices that are really a fit for you and your values. And again, let's be really compassionate with ourselves as parents. It's so understandable that we're going to have needs for ease and that for many of us, they're going to be wanting to buy things that are really easy to cook, that we can just throw in the oven or the air fryer and have things that are quick to prepare and how often that's going to meet our needs and again all of us we're all so different in terms of food and food prep and how much we're interested or passionate about that ourselves or just completely fed up and just would prefer not to ever do any cooking ever again and just so much compassion for each of us and our unique journeys with food and then of course there's going to be the effects and influences of other children so whether that your child might be at daycare or school or various other places for a school and of course children have strong needs for inclusion and for community and for understanding for learning so they might see other children eat particular things and that can have a big influence. It's, of course, natural for children to want to try things that they see other children eating. So again, we might have all different ways that we work with that, giving them empathy, giving them opportunity to try out those things, finding things that are similar if we really would prefer them not to have those things. And again, each family is going to be so different. So I really want to invite you to keep coming back to so much of this is... You know, our self-connection as parents to keep coming back to is this important to me or not I really remember this when my daughter was about two I used to ask myself a lot when she was doing things like is this important to me like if she was I don't know splashing water in the bath rather than just kind of reacting I'd, I'd actually really listening to myself is is it important to me that there's water splashed on the floor or not like is my reaction actually true to me or is it more of a conditioned reaction? And I, I think those kinds of questions can be really helpful for us to keep asking ourselves, like what's important to me here? Keep coming back to really what are our core values and often those might be you know, deep connection with our children, deep connection with ourselves, wanting to support them to be deeply connected with themselves and whatever else there is for you there. I had a lovely example of this. My son, who is 17, he went a couple of weeks ago to uh, the local agricultural show and he'd been out all day and he came home and he said, oh, I'm really hungry. And I said, oh, you didn't eat anything while you were there. And he said, no, it's all rubbish. <laughs> and I thought, we don't really use those terms. So there's a bit different to what I'm saying about not using terminology. But anyway, he's 17 and... 
he just didn't want to eat anything that was, you know, there's lots of food available there, but he just didn't want to eat any of it. I just loved that. I just loved that he just didn't want to eat the candy floss and the, yeah, all, all the things, you know, that can be available at places like that. He just didn't want it. So what about inside the home? So, yeah, ease can be so important, can't it? You know, when particularly when children are hungry or perhaps we've all been out and we got home from somewhere, whether that's an outing that might be home from school. If they go to school, it might be home from a homeschooling outing if they're homeschooled or again, forest school, whatever it might be, coming home and they're hungry and we might all be needing some ease. They might just want to eat quickly. So again, holding in mind, like, what can we do to support there to be foods that can be really easy for them to access and quick for them to get so that they're not necessarily just going for a food that's packaged because often a little packaged something is often the easiest, isn't it? It's like, just get out, open <laughs> open the packaging. So it can be helpful to also pre-prepare foods that we would also really love them to eat that would also then meet their needs for ease. And as I said, for quite some while, I used to do that when my lovelies were younger, where I'd do the shopping and then I'd actually prepare anything that could be eaten and just to put in the fridge that could be eaten cold and I'd cut it up into pieces so they could literally just go to the fridge and get that thing out. And it would just be just as easy as going to eat a biscuit or whatever, something in a packet. What else can get in the way of children being connected with what their bodies are telling them, the foods they want, whether they're hungry or not, whether they're full? And Well, one of the things can be the effects of our stress or family tension around meals. So this really comes back to what I was sharing about earlier. It can be hard for a child to feel relaxed whilst eating if there is tension around meals. And again, it's going to make it harder for them to really feel that sensory feedback that their body's telling them about food and hunger and satiation if they can feel that tension and again this isn't a reason to pick up some more guilt sticks and shame sticks it's more of an invitation to notice like oh if we're rushing 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 to get food ready and we're stressed can we can we bring in a little bit of playfulness can we uh, be a bit silly and goofy can we pretend to put a chef's hat on and dance around the kitchen or actually can we put some fun music on that everybody wants can we pretend to be a waiter or waitress and bringing the food to the table can we ask them if they would like to do that where can we bring in playfulness and silliness and fun often just a little bit of silliness like even just one fun statement can make all the difference between this kind of tension and perhaps disconnection to oh yeah there's a, there's a bit of lightness and fun I noticed that with my lovelies that yeah, sometimes just if they're a bit older like mine are just one or two silly sentences <laughs> in relation to food can just there's a smile and things shift so is that something that you might like to do just to bring in a bit more fun to just counterbalance any tension or stress? And again, also so important for us to get listening. So if you do get stressed in relation to food and perhaps you put a lot of care and thought into food and then your child doesn't want to eat it and perhaps you might feel all kinds of big feelings. You might feel frustrated or disappointed or powerless or hurt. You know, it's, these are so normal feelings to have. And if you do, I'm sending so much love and compassion to you. And 
Again, my invitation would be to see if you can have your feelings heard by a listening partner, or empathy buddy, or aware parenting instructor, so that those feelings are less likely to come out in ways that you don't want to with your child. So you can come back afresh to the to the next meal or the next food conversation without the the vestiges of those painful feelings. And then there are even things like if we've got beliefs that children should. <laughs> Remember, if you've ever got a should, if you've got a should anywhere about anything, but particularly around food, if you've got any shoulds there, shoulds generally lead to tension and us being more reactive. So I do invite you to always drop those shoulds if you're willing to. <laughs> but yeah, if we're telling ourselves that children should always eat a wide variety of food and they just want to eat the same thing every day for a week or they just want to have two or three things for a few meals or whatever might be again my invitation would be to see if you can drop that should because otherwise we're likely to be more stressed or kind of trying to get them to have more variety and again that can get in the way of them just really listening to themselves and listening to their bodies and that incredible beautiful wisdom that they do have and even if it's lying underneath a control pattern or even if it's lying underneath other things that perhaps have got in the way that if we can keep on connecting it's almost like seeing that magic under there that to know that whatever has happened in the past that innate wisdom is still there it is still intact it may sometimes require a little bit of gentle play it may invite us to just keep trusting that that is still there and they will reconnect with it if they've disconnected from it and so sometimes even kind of having a little visualization around that might be there like i can see inside you you got that wisdom of course maybe not saying that but i can see that body wisdom is there <laughs> i'm going to trust that you will reconnect with it i'm so here to support you with that and then of course there's craving certain foods because they're restricted or forbidden which we have talked about before in earlier episodes and so really remembering that if they're seeing us eat something and we're not willing for them to have it or something becomes this kind of forbidden fruit, that desire that, that I really want that will really override what their body's telling them. Their body might not even like that food, but if that's strong, like, oh my gosh, I really want it. And again, as adults, I'm sure many of us have experienced this is like, just really 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 want that thing and especially if you've got any shoulds I shouldn't have it and it's again the the language here the language is naughty to have it all of these things the the thoughts the language the forbiddenness are actually going to get in the way of us listening in to actually does our body really want that is that what we really want right now are we even actually hungry so again just becoming aware of these things can support us to just understand that the more we come in connect with our children with presence with trust with connection with playfulness the more likely it is that they're going to be making choices from what their body is telling them rather than from all these extra additional things that get added onto the top and then of course there are the effects of feelings and stress and trauma and the desire to suppress feelings or to dissociate with food and then that desire for the food is going to be because of a desire to protect them from feeling rather than from their body's wisdom and 
knowledge about nutritional needs that are there. And of course, when they're suppressing feelings or dissociating through eating or eating particular things, it's going to be harder for them to actually feel their body sensations and cues. And that's why things can get pretty tricky, you know, if they're doing that similar for us. I'm sure that many of you have done this. I certainly have in the past. If if we're eating something to actually dissociate, then our body might be really trying to give us some cues that, oh, this this actually, this food, it's really almost like some disgust there. We might be feeling underneath, but the dissociative effect is more powerful than actually the disgust or the discomfort or the oh yeah this just doesn't this doesn't feel right for my body so again with children it can be really helpful to aim to prevent eating control patterns in the first place so if they're a baby or a toddler really supporting this to happen early on for them to stay connected with their bodies really aiming wherever possible for us to differentiate between hunger and what I call healing feelings, you know, needs to express feelings. That's going to support them to be more able to differentiate between the two and themselves. But also remembering if they have already got eating control patterns, it's never too late to support them to get free from those. So we can absolutely do that. And really remembering that presence is the antidote to suppression and dissociation. So our loving, warm presence being with them whilst they're eating to suppress and talking with them, asking them, just connecting with them, being playful, being loving. That's going to be the most powerful thing. Whereas if we get into more like even subtle judgments or coercion or any of those things, again, that's going to create more disconnection. We're going to have less of an effect. So again, this comes back to doing our own inner work, getting our beautiful listening support so that more and more and more of the time we can be there meeting them with this place of unconditional love, with this place of like, I'm right here with you. I'm here to offer this beautiful, warm presence whilst you are eating that big bag of chips or crisps to suppress your feelings and oh what do you love about them and oh that packet's so crinkly isn't it and like oh what's the taste what's the flavor is that oh they're salty are they do they taste really salty how does your tongue feel having those kinds of conversations to support them to feel into what their bodies are telling them what their senses are telling them again that can support and be kind of like an antidote to the suppression or the dissociation when we're there with warmth with love with inquiry with conversation with invitations to connect into what their senses are telling them whilst they are eating the packet of chips chips that's a combination of chips and crisps (laughs) so again that's one of the things i just love about really understanding control patterns suppression dissociation that we can bring in that warmth and that can be that antidote in that moment. It's really powerful. Your love, your warmth, your support is so powerful for them. Another thing I've noticed that for toddlers, if breastfeeding or bottle feeding has become a control pattern, so if they have those to suppress feelings, it's something I've seen a lot over 20 years is that they might not feel hungry very often. They might show very little interest in other food. So that's something to hold in mind. And 
again, if that's something you notice in your little one, it's absolutely possible to support that to shift. And if if you're wanting to, that might be, again, aiming to differentiate more between when they're hungry and when they have healing feelings to express so that they get more the opportunity to feel sensations of slight hunger and then to offer food at those times. So you know the difference between, we've all experienced that, I'm sure, of like not being hungry and eating food compared to just kind of being a little bit hungry, not not really ravenous, but like a little bit hungry and go, oh, you know, really just having that sense of, oh, this is so yummy because we're, yeah we're meeting that need there's the hungers there to tell us that we need food and that satisfaction that can be there rather than if we're eating and we're not really hungry at all or even we're still full up from what we've already eaten previously and of course there's another thing which is children who are feeling powerless may restrict their eating or what they eat or they may eat in particular ways as a way to have control over something in their life which again means that the food choices were going to be meeting their needs for choice rather than reflecting their internal cues and sensations. This is something I know firsthand because when I lived with my dad for those 18 months where I lived with my dad in England, my mum was here in Australia and I didn't see her for that 18 months and I was 9 to 10 I pretty much apparently ate the same dinner every day. I ate mashed potatoes, fish fingers and uh, petit pois. That was what I wanted to have. And I really imagine that little me that really met needs for consistency, reliability, some sense of choice and power in a situation where I was feeling a lot of uh, painful feelings. So again, really understanding these things and seeing like if your child is suddenly wanting to eat the same thing every day or you do have a sense that their food choices are meeting their needs for agency, autonomy, choice, that that sense of control is noticing, you know, when did this first happen? What was going on for them? That might be then tending to how can you support them to heal from powerlessness? So that might be offering plenty of choices in in other places playing power reversal games it's a really powerful way to support them to release powerlessness and feel powerful and again as always listening to plenty of crying and raging so that means that that all of that can shift somewhat or completely so that it's less likely to show up around food and I've also found with quite a few mentees exploring this that intergenerational trauma can play a role here so if there's been famine or starvation in the family line a parent may feel a kind of desperate fear that their child isn't getting enough food they may often feed them when they aren't hungry they may have fears coming up you know gosh I'm terrified that you might be hungry so if you do have particular fears around that and of course it's so important to differentiate out what's the here and now accurate sense that we're getting you know that our child is not having enough food compared to this old feeling that comes from the past that may be I mean again it may be even our own experiences earlier on but it may be even further back than that so really exploring 
family lineage can be really powerful here. And some children might have experienced trauma such as being tube fed or being intubated as a baby or a child and unexpressed feelings from these experiences can also show up in a reluctance to eat or having big feelings in relation to food. And I'd really love to appreciate Maru Rojas, who's an aware parenting instructor in the UK, for bringing this to my attention to include. So thanks, Maru. I really appreciate that. And I know Maru has an offering around this self-connected, self-regulated, self-demand approach to foods with aware parenting. And then, of course, there are really lots of physiological influences on food choices, such as parasites and gut biome issues and all kinds of other things that can affect appetite and what's desired. So again, which might not necessarily then be an accurate representation of what what a child's body actually needs. So as always, please trust yourself. If you think something else is going on physiologically for your child please get that checked out so these are just some of the things that can get in the way of our children being deeply connected with their body's innate wisdom around food and just being aware of these kinds of effects gathering clear information about food and really again listening to what resonates with us each of us can have such different approaches to food and there's a million different ways to look at food different ways of understanding food so it's so important for you to really listen to yourself and be really compassionate with yourself as well and you know to then to make clear choices about foods and what foods we are willing to have in our house and what we are willing for our children to have free access to when they're young and again whatever age they are of course that changes as they get older where it's going to be much more about conversations But again, I really do want to stress that the more we can get to express when we feel scared, when we're thinking about their health or when we feel powerless or when we feel hurt or when we feel frustrated, all the feelings that can be so normal and natural for us as parents in relation to our children's food choices, the more we're getting to express those to our loving listener, the more we are going to be able to meet our child with openness and connection with presence with friendliness and warmth with attachment play with ease and that really does have an effect so I really 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 want to emphasize that so in general what might we want to do we might want to take in resonant information about food so do you feel called to go and learn anything about any particular types of food or dietary choices And if you do, again, I really invite you to trust what information resonates with you because it's different for each of us and that resonance is so important to listen into. Again, that emphasis on having listening time from other adults so we can get really clear about what we're going to do about food in our own family and then having that ongoing support because that's going to change as our children change ages and developmental stages. Repeating about the receiving empathy for ourselves, so important. And then also giving our children age-apt information, having conversations about these things and again, if we can be doing that from a place of calmness and interest and curiosity, that's going to be really helpful. Supporting them to release stress and trauma with attachment playing and listening to their crying and raging as much as we possibly can. And then really being present with food. 
And I'd love to say one more thing about that last point is that you know many cultures have blessings in particular ways before food. So with your child, you might enjoy creating your own family blessings if you don't already have them. That'd be looking at the food and going through that whole almost like timeline of food. So if you're in a shop together, that might be looking at the foods and go, oh, you know, which foods do you feel drawn to? And that might be, again, I don't know, I keep talking about vegetables. Anyway, I love vegetables. <laughs> If there's uh, vegetables on display that don't have plastic packaging on them, for them to maybe even gently touch each one and just kind of get a feel to, oh, which which one do you have a yes for? And being part of the preparing of the food. And again, if you have a a younger child or a toddler having a learning tower so that they can be part of that process and eating it and also, you know, understanding about what happens to food afterwards and how anything that doesn't get eaten decays. Like really understanding that whole food cycle can be really helpful for children to be more connected. You might encourage them to really smell and taste the food. But most of all, offering our own presence so that together we're more present. We're more present when choosing food, eating it. And we're inviting presence afterwards as well to see what is your body telling you after you had that food. I know for me, I was having a chat with my mum about it the other day about potato. I was remembering when I was a teenager, I used to have a little Sunday afternoon job in the the sweet shop around the corner and often she would make me potatoes for a Sunday lunch and often I'd just feel really sick, have a sore tummy, sore stomach. So you can see I'm going back to my teenage me. So I had a sore tummy, I had a sore tummy afterwards and how that, you know, that was quite a thing that I remember is that, that sore tummy. So just, you know, supporting children to go, oh, you know, how do you feel after you ate that food or... You ate something different or you ate more or you ate that whole bag of whatever it was. How, how do you feel later on? How do you feel in your energy and that curiosity, that experimentation? Again, if you know about me, I love really seeing aware parenting as this ongoing experiment, which is us listening into ourselves, us gathering information and observing our children but also them experimenting, supporting them to be an experimenter with food, like to be taking in the, the input, to be feeling into how they feel before, during and after. And that ongoing feedback that our bodies do give us, the experiment can be fun and interesting and can bring a whole depth to our experience with food. And again, if they're agitated or distracted, attach and play games like cafe games can help with presence. And so the question then becomes, what helps us be present with food? What helps us be present? What helps them be present with food? How can we slow down? How can we connect more? If we're rushing, we're doing other things, we're going to be less connected with our senses of smell and taste and sensation. So how might we find family rituals to slow down, even just momentarily? so that we can really be more present in our bodies, so that we can actually tap into, tune into, listen to, take notice of the incredible information that we are getting, that our bodies are sharing with us. And of course, really, I see presence as the essence of aware parenting. 
So basically, that aim being supporting our children to increasingly, more of the time, to make food choices based on their bodily sensations and information from us and their own experiences so that we're really maximizing the effect of the choices from their own wisdom and minimizing the choices coming from all the things that I've shared about today. So thank you so much for listening. I wonder how you feel as you take in this information. I wonder if you feel called to do anything differently. I wonder if you want to get playful in relation to food. What would you like to do? And I'd love to share a couple of pieces of information. So my new book is coming out soon. It's called I'm Here and I'm Listening. And it's for parents of one to eight year olds, as well as well anyone who's interested in children, who works with children, who has a child in their life of the age they would like to dive in deeper to. And it's come back from the beta readers. And I really love that three of the beta readers said that they couldn't put the book down. And one of those was my dear friend and colleague, Joss Golden, who we have the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning community and the Aware Parenting and Natural Learning podcast. And she's very, very, very experienced in Aware Parenting. So hearing that from her, I was like, yes, I'm very excited about that. So keep an eye out for that coming soon. The other thing that's coming soon is the Aware Parenting Virtual Village. So that is going to be a yummy opportunity to connect with other aware parenting families and it's got a private podcast basically so it'll be really short little audios regularly coming to whatever podcast platform that you enjoy and we'll have various topics and that will be all things aware parenting but it will also be in terms of reparenting and reculturing, it will have lots of the Marian method in it as well. So all the parenting will be aware parenting, and then the reparenting and reculturing is is my work and my desire and willingness for that is really to have those in depth reminders for deep self compassion and the power of our willingness and just really staying connected with this information because I find when we're and we're really staying in contact with this and we're really getting to increasingly put down those guilt and shame sticks and increasingly be deeply compassionate with ourselves as parents and all of those things. Parenting can be a whole lot easier. And the other thing about it is it's in a telegram group. So there are lots of different channels in there so that you can go and connect in and share and read and connect with each other the idea being there'd be a lots of opportunities for peer support and connecting with like-minded families so keep an eye out because i'm going to do a super early bird at a really reduced price so i really want to make it accessible to anybody who wants to join in because that was one of the the points of feedback when i said to people are you interested and they lots of people said it depends on the price. So I really wanted to make it a low cost. So keep an eye out for that. And this series continues. So I'll be having some more guests on. We'll be talking more about food and feelings and trust from all different angles. So I look forward to connecting with you again, sharing with you again in future episodes. And I am sending you so much love. And 
enjoy your next meal. I invite you to really enjoy your next meal and to see if you can really have more ease and more fun and more joy and more presence in relation to food. And I am sending you so much love.